0: Welcome to Inside Scoop Live. I'm Sherry Hoyt, and I'm your host. Today I'm talking with Cheryl Cannon, a multi-award winning children's author and poet. Her latest book, A Penny for Your Thoughts, is a book of poetry about love, from being in love to being confused about love and even the loss of love. Before we start, let's learn a little bit more about Cheryl. Cheryl Cannon is a former teacher and grandmother of 10. She is the author of nine published rhyming children's stories, in addition to this newest book of poetry. Her books have received 58 national and international awards. A Penny for Your Thoughts is a collection of poetry she has written throughout the years. As a teacher, she used poetry to help counsel many troubled teens and friends, and has continued this pattern throughout the years. She is also a playwright with seven published plays for elementary school children, which have been performed internationally in over 20 countries. She has also been a professional newspaper sports writer and photographer, a dinner theater stage manager, and a business administrator. Cheryl and her husband just celebrated their 58th wedding anniversary this June. They are now retired and travel in their RV from coast to coast each year to spend time with their children and grandchildren. For more information on Cheryl Cannon and her books, visit her website at www.cherylcannon.com. And that's wwws Well, hi, Cheryl. Welcome to Inside Scoop Live.
1: Hi, how are you doing?
0: Good. I've been looking forward to talking with you. Uh, Why don't you start by telling our listeners a bit about yourself and your latest book, A Penny for Your Thoughts.
1: Well, this is a book of poetry that I've been writing ever since I I've actually been writing poetry ever since I was four years old, but I love to rhyme and I love doing things like that. So I was a teacher for 10 years and I was a teacher in the physical education department, which gets a lot of sort of social helping out with students who have problems. And I was always having people in my office and because I wrote poetry, I was able to offer uh, advice and stuff like that by putting poetry form. So a lot of my poems have been um, used to help counsel these troubled teens and friends. And um, I just sort of kept a collection as I went along. And I had a wonderful mentor at American University where I went on to get my uh, four-year degree after I'd already been teaching for four years. Mm -hmm. And um, he did a lot to help me with uh, his main stress, the fact that poetry needs to be simple and And appeal to people without, I mean, with some inner meaning, but not to the point that it's so convoluted, you can't really understand what the poet is trying to say. Mm -hmm. So keeping it simple has always been one of my standards, and um, I've found that it's been very helpful because uh, a lot of poetry out today, if I don't mind a a sort of aside, is more like breaking prose lines into shorter lines so that they're poetry, and... To me, a lot of poetry is with the lyrical part, which is the meter of the poem, and the rhyming that has to happen. And you can play with the rhymes and put them in different places. I have a lot of sonnets, and I do the regular sonnets. And then I sort of, I took one issue where I decided, well, it doesn't always have to have the sextet at the end be a different rhyme scheme. I can just change that, so I inverted them. And that's been fun for me, because I love to play with words, so that was an ideal thing to do that. And so I had all this poetry that has been sort of on the subject of love and friendship and relationships with people. And I found that I think because I'm a valentine, I was born on Valentine's Day, and I've always had this sort of feeling like, like the, you know the hearts and flowers oh. and love has always been sort of what my life has been <laughs> trying to be about. And so that's why this book was directed towards those kinds of feelings. Mm, nice. You touched on taking...
0: Prose and just kind of breaking it into short lines and is that what's called modern poetry or freestyle well, or what what is that about
1: I I don't, I, I don't exactly know what it's about to tell you the truth uh, but you know unfortunately at my age I don't really care too much for modern art either some artists today just think throwing paint on a wall is, is a way to have a Wonderful. And some of the stuff in museums is like that. And I'm like, what does it take to throw paint in a wall? Right. I like sort of structure and having to to um, be able to be concise and find what you want to say in a pattern that makes sense. So that's why I have problems with a lot of the poetry today. And I also feel a lot of poetry today is um, with a shock value. Um, and if it isn't erotic or or, you know, using profanity or something like that that people aren't gonna like it and and that may be true but that's not the uh, readership I'm looking for anyway so um, I decided to stick to my gun so to speak and write right. from my heart and try to reach someone else's heart so
0: yeah yeah I can't follow uh, I guess for the purposes of this interview we're calling it modern poetry but it's hard to read. If you can't, like, read it to a beat, you know, it, it's hard to read and understand, to me. So I probably, I guess I share your, your views on that.
1: Yeah, well, most of my poems that I would care to choose to to, to read to anybody would be the ones that had some, some a rhyme or reason. I do have some. I mean, it's it's really easy, actually, to sit down and just sprawl words on a page.
0: Yeah. Now, how did you come up with the concept and A Penny for your thoughts?
1: I'd always love the Saying a penny for your thoughts, and if, you know, in fact, when a student would come to me and they'd look quite upset or something, and I would just say penny, which they knew meant you know tell me what you're thinking, you know what, how can I help? And so penny for your thoughts has always sort of been the overall title that I knew I would call a book of poetry at some point. Mm-hmm. And then I figured, well, you know, it's very easy to design, and it's because you flip a coin uh, for games or anything like that. And heads, you could choose heads or tails. It doesn't necessarily mean heads is good and tails is bad, but I've always thought that was sort of my concept. Yeah. So um, that's the way that I approached it in the book. So that's how it came to be.
0: I love that. Yeah. So this is your first poetry book that you've published. But what I know you best as is a children's author, and I wanted to talk a little Mm -hmm. bit about about your children's books. Can you tell us a little bit about those as well?
1: Oh, sure. Well, I have nine of them, and um, they all stress consideration for others, being kind and not being a bully and trying to teach. Once a teacher, always a teacher is my philosophy. So Mm -hmm. if I'm going to write a book, I'm going to want to have a child take away something from that book other than the fact that it was a crazy funny thing you know, this happening. But I'd like to leave them with the thought of, hey, let's be nice to each other and let's not pick on each other and don't hit with words. And the children are all too easily led to bullying or clicking or, you know, getting in groups against each other rather than for each other. Yeah. So my books are sort of like that. The the first one was a Christmas book, and it's Santa's birthday gift. My granddaughter asked me when I was reading her the Christmas story, she says, but we're Santa. And so basically, really and truly, that night, the whole story came to me in a dream. And I sat down and wrote it. And uh, I, first I tell the story of the actual nativity of you know, Jesus' birth in the manger because I think children need to know that story. Uh-huh. And then it sort of switches to Santa who's at the North Pole who sees this star and follows it for him, promises his, his wish, his gift to Jesus, is the promise to bring gifts every year at Jesus' birthday to celebrate the birth of the Christ child. So the whole story revolves around that. It's not what what Santa gets, it's what he gives. So that's what his birthday gift is. So that started the whole thing. And then my second story was Peter and the Wimper Whinies, which is a story about a little (laughs) rabbit who whines all the time. And you have to be able to read in a nice whiny voice so that you can say something like, but I want to have some soup too. (laughs) <laughs> so that when you read it to the child, they hear that voice and think, oh my goodness, is that what my mom is hearing, hearing from right. me? So that was a story that my mom used to tell my brother and I when we were very young, and there was no book, there's nothing. She it was just a story she told. Oh, so yeah. I didn't want to lose that story. So I taped her telling the story one day, and then I put it into rhyme because I liked rhyme. Yeah. And that was the story of Peter and the So So, But it wasn't until The Magic Word, which was my third book. It's about a little girl who has to learn to say please and thank you. And I started to enter contests. Okay. And that's when I decided that, that that's when I got involved with Reader Views because, um, you know, I was just submitting there. And The Magic Word it did really, really well. It got a lot of gold and it's still a very popular book.
0: And everybody, you
1: know, needs to learn how to say please and thank you. Yeah. And then I got the idea that my next book, which is called Gimme Jimmy, about a little boy who grabs toys and do nasty to his neighbors. And his daddy warns him that if he doesn't stop being nasty, he's gonna, his hand's going to get bigger every time he says, give me. So it's sort of a Pinocchio type of thing. You know, he goes to school and his hand keeps getting bigger and the kids are laughing and he finally learns that if he starts saying please and thank you, then his hand gets smaller and his <laughs> friends are happier. Then came Manor Man which was actually my grandson at that point he was four and he says can you write a story about a superhero and I'm like okay well okay one superhero coming up (laughs) so manor man hit the field and um he's all about being kind seriously being kind and he's a superhero that helps boys learn to cope and their, their friends learn to be nice and so it's sort of gone along from that with all the books and because I had the same wonderful illustrator Calpart for all my books I was able to carry the characters through with each new book so all each succeeding book has the characters not necessarily you know with speaking parts but the pictures of them they are part of the sort of classroom of kids that Mm -hmm. have evolved and so when I go to schools and read like I remember one of the times I was reading, I don't know which one it was, and one of the kids goes, Look, there's give Jimmy. Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Okay, it's working. <laughs> yeah. So that's been really fun to be able to carry them all through. So I finally got to the ninth children's book, which was My Little Angel, which is an, oh, another nice thing about having a, an illustrator that you can work with really well is the fact that Manor Man, the star of Manor Man, a little boy star. Is actually a, a caricature of my grandson. So when I got to my little angel, the little girl on the front of that is my granddaughter. Those are my two youngest. One is nine, and one is five. So you oh. know, they're they're still in my age range. <laughs> yeah. But my youngest is you know she's going into first grade now, so she'll be <laughs> carrying the torch for a while, I guess, because the others have sort of outgrown the children. Right.
0: Yeah. I I love all your titles too. They're so clever and. Uh... <laughs> They're catchy. Well, you know, mice- it's
1: funny what you said about that because one of them, which is um, mice and spiders and webs, oh well, my, actually started out as being called Teachers' Warning because I didn't want to scare away. It was supposed to be, and it's basically an introduction to computers because uh, the mice and the spiders. The mice is the computer mouse, and the spider is the the webs for the internet. But my publisher. He said, "It's got to be more catchy than that, so that's why I we went with mice yeah. and spiders and webs on oh, my, which is fine. Except I think I turned off a lot of little girls who <laughs> don't want to pick up the book because there's oh. spiders on it."
0: So. Oh yeah, good point. Huh. So, well, I love. I think that's my favorite title, actually. <laughs> I guess I'm well, a tomboy. It. Yeah, <laughs> right. Oh, that's great. That's great. So do you have any more children's books in the works? Or?
1: The funny thing is that, um, well, I told about the, the Golden Rule. I forgot to mention that one. That's another one that's really popular. It's getting more and more popular now, I think, with all the instability in our political world mm-hmm. right now that people need the reminder that the Golden Rule is a good thing. Yeah. Um, so it's all of a sudden had a big big surge in interest, which is I'm happy to see because yeah. it's basically teaching you to, you know, Treat others the way you'd like to be treated. And uh, that was one of the, my favorite things when these literary classics made a meme for me. Um, and they, they chose that, says, no matter the color of anyone's skin, it's not just the outside, it's what is within. And that's been a sort of a rallying cry for me to try to make sure that, and all my books do the same thing, try to make sure that every child can find him or herself in the book. Um, so I try to have people of different color and different nationalities and all part of the kids that are in the classroom so that people see that we are a sort of happy, multicultural type of world and that everybody needs to love everybody else. So anyway, right. I'm sorry. I I'm don't mean to lecture, but.
0: No, no, no. <laughs> <But> <laughs> a teacher,
1: always a teacher. <laughs> that's right.
0: That's
1: right.
0: <laughs> oh, that's funny. I was going to ask you that. Uh, how do you get your message across? Without preaching to kids, does the rhyming help with that?
1: I think so. I I I honestly think that rhyme and meter and you have to have the meter. That's one of my main pet peeves about some of the rhyming books that are out today. That people are not aware that you need the meter as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that the it's not necessarily sing song. I call it the music of the words. Um, And I can find that I can. I mean, I've read five of my children's books to a kindergarten class this past March, my granddaughter's class. And they were quiet and involved the whole way through. I think, you know, it captures their interest. Whether they get the whole concept, I don't know. But there's enough of that sort of music going on that they will sit and quietly listen and smile. And, you know, it was was a wonderful experience. I was like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) I've never really read that many to them, but they kept asking for more. And I think the rhyming... Does that, yeah, and it's fun for me because I love to rhyme. That's my sort of that's your thing. Sport, I guess. <laughs> yeah.
0: Inside Scoop Live is a global internet-based broadcast specializing in talking with published authors about their current books and their areas of expertise. Join us and hear both well-known and upcoming writers talking candidly about their life experience as well as the business of being an author in today's literary world. Always interesting and current, we strive to bring our audience high-quality discussions that spotlight a vast diversity of authors in the field today. Our interviews are available 24-7 through direct podcast as well as mp3 download from your computer. Please visit us at insidescooplive.com. Welcome back to Inside Scoop Live. Today I'm talking with Cheryl Cannon, award-winning children's author and poet. To learn more about Cheryl and her books, visit her website at www.cherylcannon.com. Now, you're also a playwright. Tell us about your plays, and I know you have several published plays for elementary school children. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, I actually have seven published plays and, the, and produced in over 24 countries for um, elementary school kids, mm-hmm. and most of them have been, well, except for the first two, written two, co-written with my daughter, who is an elementary school teacher and has been for over 20 years. So we sort of write them together. I do all the rhyming and stuff like that. She does choreography and ideas and stuff like that. So we work together really, really well. And all the plays are through Lazy Bee Scripts in the UK, which I hope you don't mind me putting in a plug, but <laughs> they're, oh. they're fun plays for kids. They range sort of They start. There's some for kindergarten, some for first, first through third. There's just uh, on Thursday, on Flag Day, we put on our play we haven't put on in a long time, The Reunited States of America, and it's all about all the names of the states and all the capitals, and each of the states and each of the capitals has a couplet about either the state or the capital, and so all these children in the combined class, there are like 100 kids, and they all, because there's 50 states and 50 capitals, (laughs) so they all got at least two lines of their own on stage for the parents, and I try to make sure that every single child has a line. And yeah. if their child is too shy, like a kindergartner, sometimes needs a buddy to go up there and they can say the lines together. But at least I, I don't like the concept of these plays where these children, there's so many of them, that are just a, a tree in the background, and right? And, and they smile, but that's it. Um, so in our <laughs> yeah. all of our plays, there's every child has one moment to shine. Oh, it's been very that. rewarding. They've been very, very popular. It's it's fun, and I don't. The nice thing about the place, I really don't have to do any marketing at all. They sort of market themselves. I just get a check every six months on for, for you know, where they've yeah. been. And the most fun for me is seeing where they've come from. And then, you know, 24 different countries. I mean, yeah. all these countries that are just, you know, like I would never dreamed that they would be there. I mean, places like Egypt and Spain and Italy and France and China and Botswana and the United Arab Republic, Ireland, Singapore, Australia, Austria, India, Turkey, Cambodia. I mean, oh my not gosh. to mention the United States, Canada, and the U.K. So, yeah. I mean, it's just so much fun to think that all these plays are out there and all these little kids are, are doing these wonderful things. And sometimes they send me pictures and sometimes they send me thank you notes.
0: Have you ever seen in any of the plays being performed? I
1: saw the plays that we performed here because they all performed originally here in the Pennsylvania area where I live at my daughter's school and went out from there. But mm-hmm. um, so I got to see them early and it was fun. I got to be at the one this past Thursday. But I just received a packet, a wonderful packet from um, Italy, 90 pictures from 90 students who each drew a picture of their own thing. It was called uh, um, the wonderful world of weather. So there's stuff all around the world of, you know, coming from, different places. And each of them drew a little picture and then wrote a little note about what the play meant to them and mailed Aww. it to me. It was like, wow, it was really an awesome thing. So I know. How um, heartwarming is that? Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah.
0: Now you and your husband are retired and I understand you love to travel. Tell us a little bit about your traveling lifestyle and what is life like on the road?
1: It's been fun because we have our family. We have uh, one is in we have four children. One's in California and one's in Texas and then one's in New Jersey and the other one's here in um, near the Philadelphia area where we're, we're here during the summer months and we are snowbirds and take off for California right at Christmas or Thanksgiving. So it's fun because we're able to share the books along the way and do readings and on both coasts. Do you schedule like stops along your way? Sometimes. But basically, we just see the sights along the way. So when we retired, I wasn't so much interested in going to Europe as I was being able to see the United States because there's so many beautiful places that you just don't see except in pictures, and it's not quite the same. So it's fun. But I do book readings on both coasts, so that's fun too. That is fun, yeah.
0: So where can readers find your books?
1: Well, they're all online, of course. The normal places where people go, the uh, Barnes & Noble and uh, Amazon are probably the most used because they're all there. But they're also involved in two fundraisers, one for the I'm Bully Free organization and another one for the Cure JM Foundation, which is a juvenile myositis, which is a children's cancer that it's incurable right now, but they're working on a cure. So I do have fundraisers going through those organizations mm-hmm. to um have people be able to buy the book and 50% of the cost of the book goes back to the fundraiser
0: Oh wow! to be
1: able to sort of give back. So.
0: Oh, that's great. I love that.
1: So what are you working on next? It's going to be sort of a sequel to A Penny for Your Thoughts and I'm calling it A Dime is a Sign. And it really has a lot of the poetry that I didn't include in the first book because I forgot where I had it. <laughs> so oh, I sort of wow. rediscovered it and I thought, oh, this will be kind of fun to be able to do this. So I'm going to use the same format and, the, you know, the uh, illustrations in between and stuff. It'll be the same thing with first love and friendship and then being mixed up and then being sad. But I'm calling it a dime as a sign because a psychic medium once was talking to my daughter and she told her that if you ever find a random dime, it's a sign that someone that you have loved and lost is thinking of you. So um, I've passed that along to quite a few people that have had, you know, unfortunate deaths in the family and that kind of thing and told them, they to, you know, look for the dime. And it's huh. amazing how just, you know, randomly you'll find one. I found one coming back from my daughter, granddaughter cheerleading. And I found a dime in the in the grass. And I'm like wow. looking at my, say, hey, hi, mom. <laughs> you know, my children call them scammy dimes because that's what they call my mother. Um <laughs> And they seem to find a lot. So anyway, this, this next book is called that, uh, A Dime is a Sign, which will sort of have the same sort of type of poems in it. And it's fun because I can have a penny in one book and the dime in the next. So. Right, right. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to the new one coming up. And then, as I mentioned earlier, um, I do have a couple of my plays that I may want to put into a children's book form. Uh, because they all have all the lines and everything in it, too, and they're very popular as plays. And I thought, well, you know, if people can't see the play, maybe they'll like to, to read a book with that. So I'm going to yeah. run that one past the publisher.
0: Yeah, I think
1: so, that's a great I idea. Know. Yeah, You're yeah. a busy lady. I said this, I was, <laughs> it's, it's fun, though. I mean, hey, you know, I don't want to get bored.
0: Right. Cheryl, I wonder if you might do us the honor of reading a couple of your poems.
1: Sure, I'd love to. My ones are fun for me to read i think i would start with grandfather clock one which seems to be a, a favorite of everyone the pendulum sways with a tick and a top relentlessly played by the grandfather clock as it stands in the room in a place all alone and measures the time with its slow metronome with a tick and a tock, as the moments pass by, turning minutes to hours to days, as they fly into months and then years, as the time marches on, as the pendulum sways and continues its song, of the tick and the tock of the grandfather clock, forever its fulcrum continues to rock, recording the things that are seen every day, as the people grow up and then go on their way. The time it has captured, the time it has been, so many good times that won't happen again. As the pendulum swings with its tick and its tock, and permanence, laughing the seems to mock, turning future to present and present to past. And what once was first will later be last as the cock goes on beating each hour by hour. The taste of the sweet is the scent of the sour. The pendulum sweeps with a tick and a tock. The aging heartbeat of the grandfather clock as it sways and it swings in funereal beat when the time comes for a circle and is complete. And the ones that were young are now quite old. The clock loses warmth and becomes very cold. And the tick in the top of the grandfather clock begins to waver and finally knock on the sides, on its walls, in the echoing halls of the empty house, nobody to rouse, cold as stone. All alone, the clock stopped. Oh, my goodness. It gives me chills. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's shaped so that the first part of it's all the way down. At the very end, it goes into the shape of the pendulum. I love that. Yeah. So are you ready for another one? Absolutely. It's much shorter. It's called I Think of You. A glorious, lovely, sun-filled day. I stand and watch the children play. I think of you. And my lips smile. A crowded, dim-lit, smoke-filled room. I sit and listen to a tune. I think of you. And my eyes smile. A dark and quiet, peace-filled night. I lie in prayer. My eyes shut tight. I think of you. And my heart smiles. Mm, so <laughs> nice. And they're all about love. I have a couple more. This other one is a favorite. I've actually used this in a, in a Christmas letter occasionally. But people like it because it's sort of like Robert Wood's i um, stopping by woods on a snowy evening and I remember when I wrote it I was looking out the window and it was starting to snow and so meanwhile mm-hmm. anyway, it's called Winter's Nuptials Nature's waiting heart now sings as she prepares to wed her king as she puts on with loving care the lacy bridal gown he brings as through the fall he did prepare to wed the matron cold and bare transforms her to a maid again and puts snow relief in her hair And thus, as it has always been, their sacred marriage God attends, the prophet's wedding vows to keep while all the world bleeds. the amen. For from their union, so complete in consummation, earth will reap the wonders of the seeds they sow, as on their wedding night they sleep. And in her womb, the embryo of infant spring, protected grows beneath the blanket of the snow, the winter's wedding gift of snow. So nice. And this one's Frozen Wasteland. I was living in a wasteland where nothing new would grow except to just grow older underneath the freezing snow, a land of frigid icicles coating the slow decay of a mind that, once so fertile, had begun to waste away, a dreary, dismal wasteland, cold and barren, desolate, where my dreams had frozen solid and I was disconsolate. There was nothing left but aging, growing colder through the years in a land of no tomorrows, only ice and frozen tears. But you came to me and took me from the winter of my heart where I lived before I met you and where nothing new could start to a land of youth and beauty where I never shall grow old for you took my hand and led me into sunshine from the cold.
0: You are a romantic, aren't you?
1: (laughs) I am. (laughs) I'm a valentine. I
0: love that. I love that. (laughs) So fun. Can you give us a little teaser from your new book?
1: Yes, this is called... uh, A dime is a sign through time. If you find a dime, you will know that I'm sending thoughts of love through the veil of time. Ten cents with a silver shine, a sense sent you to help remind that someone that you left behind is always living in your mind. Sending love and vibes, felt in psychic size. The ones that you miss send you a kiss. I
0: love that. That's
1: the opening for A Dime is a Sign. And at the very end of the book, the last poem is called When I Open My Eyes. I saw you last night. You came to me in a dream that was meant to comfort me. You let me know it was your time to go and that you had sent a sign to me. When I opened my eyes, I knew what I'd find, the bright, shiny dime you had left behind to let me know you would always be inside my heart and part of me. So, Beautiful. an opening and closing poem. So. Beautiful.
0: Well, Cheryl, we are running out of time, so I'm going to wrap it up, but okay. it's certainly been fun talking with you today. I've, I've really enjoyed it, and thank you for sharing your poems with us and for being with us today. Before we ended our conversation, I wanted to find out if you had anything else you wanted to share with our listeners.
1: Uh, actually, just a reminder that all my books are part of the PJ Books. That's spelled B-O-O-X bookstores in Fort Myers, Florida, and they're going to be including this podcast as part of the display after it's uh, put together, so it'll be kind of fun.
0: Oh, wow, that's great. Okay, so listeners uh, in the Fort Myers area, be sure to check out all of Cheryl's books at the PJ Books bookstores.
1: Yeah. But Anyway, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share my poetry with others, and take care. Yeah.
0: To our listeners, thank you for joining me today on Inside Scoop Live for my interview with Cheryl Cannon. To learn more about Cheryl and her books, visit her website at www.cherylcannon.com. And be sure to check out our other interviews at insidescooplive.com.